This episode is sponsored by my dear friend at Alpen Glow Skin Spa. Are you searching for the perfect boutique spa oasis, expert hands, corrective skincare advice, and are you located in the Denver area? If so, I highly recommend my friend Courtney Parkhill at Alpen Glow Skin Spa. She is a trusted esthetician for 15 years, providing corrective facials, chemical peels, dermaplaning, and high-quality professional home care. She's located in the high-altitude alpine desert of Woodland Park, Colorado, just 14 miles from Colorado Springs and 45 miles from Denver. Courtney wants people to feel cozy, relaxed, safe, and taken care of in her spa, but with the ultimate goal of reaching your skincare goals with a blend of active and botanical clinical ingredients. Retreat to the mountains and rejuvenate your skin. Courtney works on all skin types, all skin concerns, especially rosacea, pigment, aging, and acne. Come have a glass of wine or tea and experience results and relaxation at Alpen Glow Skin Spa. This episode is sponsored by Pomp. Pomp is a platform that helps licensed estheticians grow our businesses and make extra income. For me, this has been game-changing for my virtual business because it's a platform that allows me to connect with my clients digitally and make recommendations to them. I don't have to handle the shipping. All I do is make a recommendation and make commission on everything they purchase. Pomp also works with a medical director, which is incredible because that allows you to have access to brands like It's Clinical, Revision Skincare, and many more without paying for your own medical director. You don't have to hold any inventory. Pomp ships the products directly to your client. And my clients are always so impressed with Pomp because the packaging is personalized. They always include a cute little note and the shipping is super fast and always free. For more information, you can check out the link in the podcast show notes for more details to get started with Pomp. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Treatment Room. I'm your host, Tessa Zolli, and I am just so stoked to be in good, familiar company today with the sisters behind Glow Skincare LA and the Skin in the City podcast and magazine, Haley and Casey. Welcome to the show, you guys. Hi, thank you for having us. Thank you for saying yes. It's great to be back with you guys. So I wanted to kick off the podcast hearing about where Glow is at these days because I think so many SDs out there have grown up with with Glow and, and watched you guys on Instagram and have watched the business transform. I wanted to ask about what you guys are focused on right now, what the business is about, and how that's kind of different from where you guys started in the very beginning. Wow. 
I'm like, <laughs> where do we even start? I mean, you know, I opened Glow Skin Care as a solo esthetician in tw- 2011. And it's now 2021. So it's like, whoa. Um, it's a good experience. On- <laughs> it's a few <laughs> years, you know, I've had a few years under my belt. Haley came on. Haley, what year was the, that? The first time was in 2002. So a while Ooh. ago. Wait, what? 2002? No. Right? <laughs> was it not? <laughs> Yeah. I'm the same no, 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 way. no, I'm, no, ignore me, ignore me. Can't no, it's okay. Me. No, 2012. 2012. There we go. That's I was like correct. in 2002, I was in high school. I was 10. I, yeah. So, I mean, that's, I mean, if we really bring it back, but we're not going to get that in depth. Okay. I, the yeah. first time I worked for Glow, I'm, I'm sorry. I know, I know. Was actually, Haley. Haley actually started in 1992, the year she was born. So yeah. as soon as she was born, she just has been working for me ever since. And that Straight is Straight on the story. payroll. Straight exactly. on the payroll, girl. Yeah. Yeah, but for sure. Basically, you know. <laughs> okay, 2012. Open- <laughs> for sure. When I no. opened close. <laughs> I'm just, I'm laughing, Haley, because I, I did the same thing. Like, chunks of my life. Like, I couldn't tell you the year I was, you know, in certain places, like it blends together, whatever. Okay. Sorry. Right? Okay. It, go ahead. It okay. was for sure 2012. Okay. Yes. Go ahead, Case. Yeah. Go. So anyhow, I opened, my dream was to open a full running spa. I did that. I brought on Haley. Haley, you worked for me for what? A couple years. Yeah. Haley was at the time, you know, the spray tanner, the reception, the laundry girl, you know, she was doing slinging some bo- uh, body wraps and body mm-hmm. scrubs on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, Haley left and did her own thing. Then you came back a couple years ago. We were still running a full, full running spa. COVID hit, and we did a 180 on the entire business. So we went from full running spa to basically, you know, 99.9% e commerce online. Mm-hmm. And the podcasting. <laughs> That's your summary. In, in in the in a nutshell. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a good it's a good summary. So, was it COVID that made you guys think like we need to start moving things toward being online? Were you already feeling that way? So yeah, we, we were already online. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's. Not that I knew that COVID was coming, but I just felt like I knew I needed to be have an online presence, um, and that's when I brought Haley in for the second time. Haley had you just left a job? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was three years ago now. Yeah, and I said, Haley, come in and help me again. Be the receptionist. Help me manage the estheticians, and I needed help with my online e-commerce store. We had just started selling cold rollers. And at the time I was still seeing clients and packaging them myself. And so Haley came in. I didn't really know exactly what she was going to be doing, but (laughs) we still don't actually, we still don't. Yeah. Still figuring that out. But Haley came in and kind of took over all of the shipping and then because the cold rollers were getting so popular, we did start offering wholesale. So Haley mm-hmm. was kind of like the wholesale girl. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like spearheading that kind of figuring out what that even meant. And, you know, Casey and I would be 
you know, we would speak with one another. Okay, this is kind of where things are going. And we would kind of just ebb and flow with the the wave of the business. And then, you know, like Casey was saying, as COVID hit, we were already online, but it kind of forced us to really put everything we had into e-commerce. It's a smart choice. And, and Haley, I think so many of us know you and want to know, more about your story. So you said you had a job before you were working for Casey. What was that? And were you kind of feeling at the time you wanted to get into beauty? Yeah, yeah. So okay, so the first time I came to work with Casey in 2012, not 2002. um, That, that was I had just moved home from living in New Zealand. And yeah, yeah. So I moved home and, you know, it was like a natural progression. Casey's like, come work for me, you know, get, you know, get it situated living here again. So I, I was working for her. And then, you know, like she said, I did that for a couple years and then I was ready to move on and try something different. I've always loved the beauty industry. I'm not an esthetician. Um, but, you know, Casey loved it. I loved it. We loved working together. And so anyway, I moved on to try some different things. I did some like personal assistant work. I did a lot of waitressing. I've done a whole bunch of different jobs, which now looking back, they've all played a huge role in kind of building who I am today and what I'm doing in the business and just being flexible and you know, like I was saying before, kind of that, that ebb and flow with the business. So um, this last time when I came to work for Casey, I was, I'd been really unhappy at my personal assistant job. It just wasn't right. And Casey and I were actually on a sister trip in Santa Barbara and we came up with this grand plan and it was like, boom, there we go. So that's kind of, (laughs) that's kind of how this most recent you know, run of things came about. Yeah, well, I'm so glad you mentioned coming from from other jobs. And I know, Casey, Mm. you've also had other jobs and come from the service industry, too. And I think it's just so good for people to hear because we always think like, oh, I'm starting from scratch now, like I'm starting from the bottom. But there's always skills and things you learn from those other jobs, no matter what it is that transfer over. Absolutely. Always. I feel like without working in the service industry, I don't think I would be as good of a business owner as I am today without Mm -hmm. those experiences, without that customer service and, you know, those there's just those things, especially, you know, Haley was a waitress. I was a waitress. Some those, I learned some of the best lessons just about people, um, and how to handle them. Um, so I just think if you can work in the service industry before even becoming an esthetician, um, or maybe while you're an esthetician, I think that's a great side job where you can just learn about people. I want to hear some stories because I'm sure you guys have some. And I think (laughs) you're like, oh my God. I think, you know, we're always wanting to hear not necessarily horror stories, but even just like challenges you guys have faced with customer service, whether it be waitressing or working at Glow Skin Care. Have there been any outstanding incidents where you feel like you learned something? 
from a customer and you handled it in a certain way. Oh my gosh, like eight million <laughs> stories come to I mind. Know. You two case. Yeah, yeah there's I so feel many. Like, you know, when I was younger, and I think especially when I was waitressing and when I was first an esthetician, I would take a lot of things so personally. I would take them to heart. And I feel like maybe it's just because I'm a little bit older. I've been doing this a lot longer now. I'm more confident in what I'm doing as a person. Um, that I'm able to just let things roll off my back a lot more. I mean, I think Haley and I are lucky that we, you know, this is still a small business, even though we do have, you know, a customer service, you know, support. We have someone working for us that takes care of most of our customer service. So we're not in it as much as we used to be. But the letting things, it's not personal. I guess is what I'm saying. At the end of the day, it's not personal. And I think having those experiences in the restaurant really helped me learn that because people are just going to be pissed off sometimes. You know, maybe they're pissed that their meatloaf is a little cold or that their cold roller is like a little squeaky. And I'm going to give you some ways to solve that. I'm going to heat up your meatloaf or, you know, go remake it. Or I'm going to give you tips on put a little bit of oil on your cold roller. But just taking the emotion out of it has been the best thing for my headspace and not just like on a daily level because if i stressed about the amount of customer service emails that you know glow skincare is getting i could like lose my mind on that but i think if you kind of just take things in stride know it's not personal know you're doing your best that you can and on the other hand if maybe you're not doing your best make sure you're looking at yourself from all angles. Is there something I can do better? Is there a little bit of truth in this complaint? So I think just always learning to, you know, if someone has a complaint, I'm going to do my best to fix it, not just for them, but for the business as a whole. Yeah, really, really smart, really smart advice. And I feel like not only taking the emotion, but sometimes taking the ego out of it is yes. a lesson you have to learn in the early days because mm. it's hard when like you're, especially as Estes, we're putting our heart and soul into the service. When somebody's not happy, it's like, ouch, like I really tried to make yeah. that. Yeah. And it is personal because it or it feels personal because it's so tied to something you love doing. But I think that's so smart because you can waste all the time you want mulling over, you know, somebody's dissatisfaction. And mm. I would do that in the beginning. Like I'd be down for weeks if I got a complaint, which mm. just happens. And, yeah. and it's a waste of time and it holds you back from those, those other um, clients you want to attend to. Right. Exactly. So it's like, I don't know if I have any horror stories because I think l luckily Haley and I haven't come across anything too horrific. I mean, we all have our stories, but mm -hmm. yeah, I think just yeah. more <laughs> focusing on how you can react and how you can, you know, control your own emotions and not take things so personally, which believe me, it's hard to do. It's it hard. is. It is. What about you, Haley? Oh, I mean, I, I definitely agree with what Casey says and what, what you're saying, Tess. And but yeah, I mean, you just, you have to put yourself in the customer's shoes and just think, okay, they're probably upset. They're probably, you know, if, if something's wrong, right, your meatloaf is cold, whatever. How do you fix it? <laughs> so right away, it's always going to be trying to just help them. You know, it's, 
same thing yeah. with being an esthetician. It's like when you're an esthetician, a lot of what you're doing is helping someone else. So this is, it's an easy transition. You know, it's, it's easy for you to take this in the treatment room or vice versa. I mean, who doesn't want to be more helpful in their regular life to friends or clients or whoever? It's, it's such an important skill to have and just not taking it personally. You know, it, it might not be your fault, but are you able to fix the problem for the client? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like when yeah, I, so. I mean, I, I love my hairdresser, but I've, I've come and told her before, like, I'm not as blonde as I, I want it to be, or, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't feel like, you know, we addressed that, that one thing that I really had right. on my mind. Right. And it's not like we're, people aren't always a Karen <laughs> because they have <laughs> yeah. a concern. Yeah. I mean, both happens. Sometimes people are complaining because they want something free and then there are legitimate um, concerns. So mm-hmm. yeah, you I hear what you guys to, are saying. Yeah. You have to weed that out. You have to decide or kind of look at what the, the person's saying and are they complaining just to complain or is there something that really needs to be addressed? And if it's yeah. something that needs to be addressed, then you need to look into yourself or your service or the product you sold them and say, how can I fix this? Not only for them, but for everyone moving forward. So this doesn't happen again. It's really about reading between the lines, which take, that's a whole skill on its own. And I think going back to both Haley and I working in the service industry, you know, Haley working as a personal assistant, me working in, you know, the food service industry, those are other skills where you kind of learn to read between the lines. Is this person, complaining because they want a free piece of meatloaf or are they complaining because the meatloaf is actually cold? I'm just going to keep going with the meatloaf because I love the meatloaf. (laughs) Haley also does love meatloaf. I really do. Same. Just side side story since now we're talking about meatloaf. Haley used to stay with Haley used to like live with me part time the first time she worked at Glow Skincare. And we used to make like a I think it was like a Tuesday night turkey yes. meatloaf. Yeah, we oh, did. We did. Love a good Tuesday so good. meatloaf. We'll Sorry, share the family didn't... we'll share the family recipe in the um in the podcast notes. Yes. I would I would love to know how to make meatloaf. It's really easy it's so and easy. it's so delicious. Yeah, it's our mom's <laughs> recipe and we've been eating it our whole lives. So yeah, we would have our, our Tuesday meatloaf. Yeah, that's a good story case. Sorry, I just had to bring that up. You know. I know, now I'm craving meatloaf. <laughs> dinner on the show. We're here for it. We're here for it. Okay. Um, I also want to ask you guys about boundaries because I know this is something you need to have yeah. a successful mm-hmm. business and it can it can be really hard it's something I'm struggling with myself because I adore my clients to pieces so to ever like put up a rule or or a policy I'm very aware they're like oh shoot like maybe I you know I crossed the line like I did something wrong um you know I I maybe made you feel uncomfortable in your business how do you guys implement boundaries Mm -hmm. and and be firm when you have to be yeah I think that's so good can I share one that I just implemented recently that was a game change for me so um you know we all have our phones on us all the time even you know all the time all the time. 
And so I had my email on my phone, my, Mm. my business email. And if I told you I checked it compulsively, like that would be the understatement (laughs) of the year. It's like, like, why am I checking my email 800 times a day when I'm, first of all, that's just completely unnecessary. Second of all, when I was checking them on my phone, I wasn't even responding to them because I like to respond on my computer. Yeah. So now I'm just checking compulsively. I'm reading emails and I'm marking them unread. <laughs> and then I'm having anxiety that I'm not like addressing whatever needs to be addressed in this email, whether it's helping our, our customer service guy or responding to Casey about something or God knows what else it could be. And then I'm still going back on my computer the next day or whenever, and I'm going to have to reread the email and then go through all of this all over again. So... I know, I know. And like, I'm sure I'm not the how only one out there. This yeah. is so yes. relatable. I oh, think. yes. Yeah. So relatable. Yeah. Yes. And like, so compulsive. So, neurotic. I don't know. Kate, yes, yeah, so neurotic. <laughs> and, and Casey and I were on our, you know, post lunch walk. This was probably a couple months ago now. And I told her, I was like, I need to set some more boundaries with myself because I'm not being accountable to myself in the business the way I want to be. And so, you know, I came up with this idea. Casey agreed it was a good decision. I literally deleted the email off my phone. So I only have my personal email, which doesn't get anything except for Wayfair and, you know, Nordstrom's ads, which, you know, I'm not looking at anyway. And if I told you, I probably still checked to check my phone like a thousand times for the next couple of weeks. It was the truth because it was such a compulsion. You're not even thinking about doing it. But now, you know, I, I don't have the email on my phone, so I'm not checking it. And if I really want to check my email, I have to get my laptop out if, if I'm not at work and it's a mental decision to either work or not. And that's helped set a major boundary for me. I love that. I mean, there's no, I do the same thing and there's no need. Like, of course, there's going to be messages there. Like, there's no need to check it every five (laughs) minutes. There's going to be something there. Right. Why, why did I go into my email and reread the same email 10 times for the past three days? And then I finally answer it on Monday afternoon. Like, right. We all do that. And it's, and I think the boundaries, at least for me and my, journey of boundaries for myself and for other people, it really started with myself and creating like healthier habits and boundaries, like with me. And that's made it easier to transition to have boundaries with, you know, friends, family, and with the business. So I think it's been, for me, it's been many years of a journey of getting rid of toxic people, of getting rid of you know, toxic relationships, whether it's professional or personal. Um, And the more that I've kind of like pulled that trigger, flex that muscle of creating these boundaries, the easier it's been, but it's still hard. You know, it's, you know, the other day, okay, I'll give you guys a story too. The other day, sometimes, you know, I so grateful to have Haley work so closely with me, you know, we're in the office three days a week together and we love working together and it's so much fun. And sometimes we're sitting next to each other at the desk and I'll look at Haley and go, Haley, the next time 
this happens the next time this person emails me remember that I said like I don't want to work with them or I don't want to see this client this was actually a client a client who had emailed me lovely client she is so sweet but she was always canceling rescheduling just kind of a headache kind of a mess running late problem child so sweet that doesn't mean she's not a sweet person we adored her but it got to the point where she was rescheduling more than she was coming in and I said I don't even care if she's paying the $400. Haley, next time she emails me, I don't want her to come in. So guess what? She slid into my email box like a week or two ago. And I literally looked at Haley and said, well, but maybe I should just let her in. And Haley's like, no, no, you told me no. So I think also like if you can find, yeah, she is a good sister. Having like, you know, an accountability partner, if you, if you can is so helpful, whether it's someone that you work with or your boyfriend, your girlfriend or whatever it is. I think for me, you know, I'm, again, I'm lucky that I have Haley, but I don't, in some ways it gets easier, but I think in some ways creating the boundaries, it's, it's just practicing. And again, it's not having that guilt, right? You're not doing these things to hurt anybody. You're actually just doing these things to create boundaries for yourself for hopefully a healthier lifestyle and a healthier, you know, business and a better running business, hopefully at the end of the day. That's always my goal. Um, so that the business isn't running me, I'm running the business. I think that's that's my goal. Um so what are some tangible ways people can slowly start creating boundaries? Um, I think just like if you have a kid or you have a dog or a cat and, you know, you tell them, no, you can't have that treat. Don't give in once you say no. So when that client texts you at 12 p.m. asking to come in the next day to quote unquote squeeze them in, once you say yes once, it's really hard to go back. So if you don't want to be answering your phone at 12 p.m. and squeezing them in somewhere where you really don't have to squeeze them in, even if that means technically saying no to money, you're also saying Mm -hmm. yes to something else later. Like stick to those boundaries. Right. I think it has to do with really knowing your nose so that when these things happen, you just almost like you have to know what the default responses and you have to know, you know, and you have to decide what's more important, the $400 or my peace of mind and knowing I can plan my week accordingly, you know, and have clients that are going to respect me and my time and be reliable. Right. And I think for a lot of us, including myself, I struggled with this for so long is like, well, shoot, I do want to make that quick buck. I do want to make that quick $400. But if you think long-term, of finances and long-term of your happiness, uh, you know, as a whole, <laughs> you know, what, what's more important to you? And I think for, at least for me, and I think for Haley too, that's where like the mindset shifted, but it was over time. It didn't happen overnight. Okay. Can I be really nosy and ask <laughs> when it comes to firing a client. What does that email or communication look like? What do you say? You know, it really (laughs) depends on the situation. I think in this day and age, we're lucky because of COVID. 
So not to use that as an excuse, but maybe use it a little bit as an excuse, okay? It's like, I mean, but I'm not, okay, for me, I'm it's like, I'm not lying. Hey, I'm seeing limited clients right now due to COVID and the way that my business is going. End of story. I think that's another thing. Again, going back to like, you know, talking about emotions. It's not emotional and you really don't have to give people that much of an explanation. I feel like lots of times in your heart, you feel like you need to give an explanation, but there's so many times when I sit down at the computer, I start to type an email and it's like, I'm so sorry and blah, blah, blah. You kind of make these excuses when, when you really don't have to. So I delete the, I'm so sorry. And I delete the excuses and it's just like, Hey, Sally, I'm sorry. Unfortunately, I won't be able to see you as a client anymore. End of story. That's it. It's not personal. It's business. Yeah. And just lead with facts. Like if you're facts having a, always, if it's going to be a hard conversation, you just lay out facts and that's the best way to know that you're not being emotional. Yeah. You were late three times. You were late three times on your second time. I told you if you're late one more time, I won't be able to see you. End of story, you know, and you might think Casey, you're sounding like so cold hearted, but again, at the end of the day, this is your business. This is your life. And I really believe the more boundaries you have in your business, it's going to transfer over to your life. And you're again, you're going to be happier as a whole. I know for myself, I am. Yeah, it's not cold hearted at all. I think we need to hear this and especially Estes. I think we can lead with our hearts and be so empathetic and we want to make everyone happy. Like everyone who walks into our door is happy. So when we're saying no, it's almost like, do I have permission to say no? And I think it's so important to understand it's not something you should have guilt about and it's necessary. The no, this is something that I'm trying to understand. No is a complete sentence and I'm trying to take I'm sorry out of pretty much any conversation or exchange unless I really did something wrong and it weren't an apology, but so often we're like, I'm so sorry for my appearance or I'm so sorry um we're apologizing for something that we didn't even do wrong. Like you're apologizing for not being able to take somebody who didn't respect your rules in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think you guys were saying, you know, about being cold hearted. It's like, first of all, it's not cold hearted, but even if you're still having a hard time kind of wrapping your head about that, think about being warm hearted to yourself. What's the right thing you can do in this scenario to take care of yourself? Because that's going to be the yeah. best way for you to really take care of as many clients as you can. Absolutely. <laughs> it's it's hard to learn, but it's, it's a necessary um, part of business. And you are a business, not, not a um, charity. charity or, uh, you know, unfortunately, we think of our clients as our friends sometimes. And like, I Absolutely. love them, yes. but they're, they're clients at the end of the day. Yes, they are clients. And I also love me more. And I and they don't have to go home and go to bed with me. Like I have to go home and go to bed with myself, you know? Right. And if I'm going home at the end of the day, exhausted, stressed out, pissed off because I did the wrong thing for me, that that's no good for myself and it's no good for my business. 
No. Okay. So it's about, it's about the long-term vision. So really good, really good points, you guys. I wanted to, while we're kind of on the topic of booking and retaining clients, that's a question I'm always getting asked. Have you guys had a strategy as a business for booking and retaining clients? Is it a marketing strategy? Is it just, you know, exceptional service? How do you guys go about that? Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of things you can do to help kind of contribute to this. So yes, you're going to want to go above and beyond for your clients. I mean, that is something that can be small or big. It can look like a lot of different things. It could be making sure you have, you know, water available for them at the end of the service or something, you know, that makes them know you're thinking about them. But just that one extra step and then you know, something Casey and I talk about a lot is pre-booking. Once they're in the door, you already have them. So schedule them while they're there. Make it convenient for them. They don't need to call you. They don't need to text you. They don't need to go online. They're in your spa. Schedule them now. And that's going to help retain them because they already have their next appointment. Yeah. I mean, pre-booking is really the way to go. And you know, for me, at least being in the treatment room, it's establishing that trust and those relationships. I mean, I'm so amazingly lucky that I literally had clients that have been following, following me since I was 18 years old. And I think that's because I've established that trust and those relationships with those clients. Yes, I'm, you know, hopefully giving an amazing service and I'm pre-booking them. Um, but they know me and they trust me, you know, and I think that that also just takes time. And I think one of my biggest things that's helped me, you know, in my business as a whole is communication. If there's like one thing that I'm going to tell every single esthetician is like work on your communication. Like your communication is everything from communication to booking, from communication to your service and um, communication is everything. I think just walking people through because so many times people are nervous, they're feeling awkward, they're uncomfortable, they don't know what to expect. You're the professional. So it's your responsibility to walk people through. Um, But, you know, building a clientele and keeping a clientele, again, does not happen overnight. Yes, we're going to see those estheticians, you know, on social media that went, or at least they say they went from zero to 100, like straight out of school to book solid. But the reality is that you will forever be working on your clientele. I truly believe that because things happen. Life happens. People get married. They move away. They have kids. They lose a job. They get a new job. Their schedule changes. And a lot of times, again, I feel like we just keep coming back to that. A lot of this, sometimes it's not personal. Sometimes it's just people's lifestyle, you know? Um, But then you have those other people that have been with you five years, 10 years. So those people are like gold and you should treat them like gold. Yes. Okay. And I'm, I I loved your guys' answer. Sometimes when I get that question, I'm like, shoot, am I missing some marketing thing? Because <laughs> I really just kind of focus on the old fashioned stuff. Like I, we all start with one client. And from there, it's like, if you make the experience 
exceptional, um, something they, you know, haven't had fulfilled before, and just something that changes their life for the better, of course, they're going to want to tell their mom and their sister and their friends. And of course, the social media is important. Of course, you can run Facebook ads, but but just delivering that exceptional experience. And like you guys mentioned, the follow-up while they're already there is so underrated. And I used to not even have that be part of of my appointment, I would kind of just think, oh, they'll, they'll book, you know, when they think of it, but no, I need to tell them this is when I'd expect to see you back. And I used to think people would think I was being pushy and it was like weird, but they're so thankful for that. They want the clarity and they want to be led. They do want to be led. Most of your clients want to be led. They want to kind of be told what to do. Again, you are the professional, so lead them. Give them every opportunity. They're, you know, they can say yes or no, but most of them are going to pre-book. Most of them are going to want to buy retail that you're suggesting. It's just reality. That's why they're coming to see you. And again, not feeling guilty or feeling like you're being pushy because I mean, I know for many years I felt like, oh, I hate to feel like that, that used car salesman, like pushing them to buy a product or pushing them to rebook. But if you think of it as helping because you are helping them with their skin, hopefully, um, and turn it that way in your head, then there you can get rid of the guilt. Yeah. And I yeah. think another way you can look at it is that it's just like one more step in your service, right? It's mm-hmm. like, you're not going to skip SPF, just like you're not going to skip offering them retail and pre-booking them. Just bulk that all into part of the service. It's part of your spiel. Mm-hmm. It's and it's part of the homework assignment too. Like they yes. if they don't get it from you, they're going to get their home care from somewhere else. So it's almost I would think of it if I were an SD, I would think I mean I am an SD. If I were an SD who didn't <laughs> um if who if I didn't understand sales yet, I would think of it as like a disservice not to tell them. It it really is. It is a disservice not to tell them. Have you always been relatively strong with sales or was that something that came with time? Are there any tips you'd pass on to SDs who feel like that's a weak point and they just want to get better at making sure their clients pick up retail? Okay. You know, what's so Mm -hmm. funny is Haley and I are actually working on a full podcast about this. We were talking about it the other day and I have to be honest, I was literally the worst in sales. I hated it so much. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, because again, I always came from that mindset. Like I think about when I was a teenager and I walk into a store, you walk into Bed Bath and & Beyond and they're just like so aggressive. And you're like, I just want to smell the lotion and like look at the candles, you know, and they're like, you know, they're like hovering over you. And to me for so long, that was my point of view of sales. Um, and I wasn't selling a lot of retail and I wasn't always pre-booking and I was undercharging for my services and I was feeling guilty. And at some point I just had this aha moment, like, Casey, what are you doing? Like you have the knowledge, you have the experience and you have the skill, like don't undercharge. And again, 
these people are coming for help. You need to help them. And you have products on your shelf that can help them instead of cringing every time they're telling me they're using, you know, some Cetaphil cleanser. Um, so, no, I was not always good at sales. I was actually horrible. And Haley can vouch for that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just so funny because now you're like, you create all these products and yeah. I can't imagine that as something that would be hard for you. It's so crazy because that is my whole world now. I don't look at it as marketing, but I guess it is. Mm-hmm. It <laughs> like all ties I, in. It does. Like I, I love, I love helping people and I love like visuals and, um, you know, I love creating new things. So I, I guess I put my energy into that, um, which happens to help with sales. Yeah. It's, it's all perspective. Mm-hmm. It's so true. Yeah. I mean, I've worked in a lot of different restaurants and even just working in the different restaurants and the different like techniques I would use to sell food or cocktails or whatever, based on just as I got older and my approach, it, it changed the way I sold. So for example, one of the first restaurants I worked for it was the the selling style was very pushy. It was very corporate. You had to mention specific things by name and it just felt like gross. I'm like, it's like, why are you offering something super specific? You don't know these people. Like you need to talk to them. And as I continue to serve and work in different restaurants and different environments and kind of hone in on my sales approach, basically, you know, I my last serving job, I was the most confident. I made the most money I ever made serving. And, you know, I would just talk to my, my tables and see what do they really want. Then I can offer them the best thing for them, something they're really going to want. And it's not really selling them. It's giving them what they want. Yes, it is. It really is. And that goes back to the communication. Mm -hmm. Why are you here? What can I help you with? Right. Instead of, I think as estheticians, we assume so many times someone comes in, and this has happened to me so many times, someone comes in with a full face of breakouts. They lay down on my table. I assume they're here for their breakouts. But when I ask them, what are your concerns? What do you want to focus on? They start talking about their <laughs> fine lines. Okay. So let me talk to them about their fine lines. We're not going to talk about, you know, the breakouts. I mean, of course we're going to address them and I'm going to say, Oh, this serum is going to not only help with your anti-aging, but it's also going to probably help with some of those breakouts, but you need to, you are serving your clients. They, you know, you need to help them with with, what they want, not your agenda, their agenda. I think that's really important too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the only way you're going to figure that out is by asking them the right questions. Right. And it's usually some pretty simple questions. You're, you're getting to the, know them just like if you go to a party and you get introduced to somebody new. You're going you're gonna to ask them questions to get to know them. Yeah. Yeah. And I've definitely had services where the consultation or even just like I just had that massage. I think I was telling you about it, Casey. Yeah. And there was no consultation. Like I walked into the lobby and like no questions about what I was there for, what pain I was having, like literally just walked me back. Um, I changed and like that was a missed opportunity of connection. Like the rest of the service just couldn't be as good because they didn't understand what I needed. Right. And so many people miss that as service providers. 
so many people miss that because I think we get on this one track mind, right? Client comes in, do the service on to the next one, but you really have to treat each person as an individual and not work as like a robot. No, that's the whole point is to make it, make it personalized. I feel like you guys are masters of hospitality and just like literally know the business of hosting when Uh people walk into glow how do you guys handle your clients like what what goes down what's the protocol I mean I think that's a great compliment first of all so thank you thank you thank you so much that's what we strive for I mean that's what we strive for I mean Haley Mm -hmm. and I both love to host like personally so I think that shows professionally. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. So that shows professionally as well. Um, I mean, I think we're lucky because some of the clients, they're literally like family, like Haley, I think about like Rachel, who mm-hmm. just like, she comes in and she's like, girls, and like gives us a hug and <laughs> throws her backs down. And it's just like, your friend is here, you know? Um, yeah. So I, I think we're lucky that we have some clients like that. Um. But Haley, you want but, to take it as far as like yeah, a new person? Yeah, I mean, someone new walks in. I mean, they don't know us. They don't know our space. They've never been here before. They don't know what is happening or is going to happen. And we want them to feel comfortable like as fast as possible. So they're going to open the door. And one of us, if not both of us, are probably at the front desk. And we're going to just say, hi, welcome. You know, you need to greet them. You're, I'm excited. When someone walks in, I don't know about you guys, but I'm like, I haven't seen a lot of people recently. So when someone walks in, I'm excited to see them, you know, and I want them to know that. So welcome. You, you know, you can introduce yourself if that's something that you feel like is, you know, a comfortable thing. And then you just want to offer them something, you know, typically Casey and I like to ask if they need the restroom or something to drink. Um, Again, these are just like little things that are going to help make the client feel like they belong, that they're wanted and welcome, um, and that you're addressing their needs right off the bat. Um, That Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much where where I would start. And then, you know, from there, if they need the restroom and water and get them all the things they need, you know, Casey will come out and take them back. And then there's, you know, all the things that she's doing in the treatment room to make sure that the level of comfortability is carried over for the rest of their time while they're here. Yeah. I mean, it's those little things, you guys, like, it's literally like, I have a whole spiel (laughs) that I've been using for years, right? It's all in the details, you guys. And it really is like, I walk my client back. Like I'm a, a gentleman. <laughs> okay. I am the, I'm guiding them into yeah, the follow room, me. Okay. Follow me. I'm opening the door for them. I'm presenting them literally with my hand. Here's the treatment room. Okay. We're going to, you know, I'm excited to give you your service. Um, what you need to do is take your shoes off, top off. You're going to put your wrap on like a tube top. You can hang your stuff over here. You can put your jewelry down here. Oh yeah. Don't forget to take off your next necklace and then you're going to lay face down under the covers like face up Casey I'm sorry face up oh my god she's overthinking it now I'm overthinking face up under the covers they're gonna lay down they're gonna do their thing I'm gonna come back in I'm gonna knock on the door when they come in I'm gonna ask them if they're comfortable I'm gonna ask them how the temperature is I'm going to I'm not going to ask them 
Well, I ask them how their knee bolster is going to do, but I always make sure to kind of adjust it because, you know, some people are six feet tall and some people are five feet tall. So I'm adjusting the knee bolster and I'm just making sure that they're comfortable. But at the same time, I'm also making sure that like their head is in the right place for me to work on them. So I think that's another thing. Don't be afraid to like ask them to adjust because they are in your workspace and your workspace does need to be as, you know, comfortable as it can for you as the esthetician as well. So don't be afraid to go, oh, hey, like you're halfway down the bed. Can you scoot up? Cause I need your head over here, you know, but without right. making them feel bad. Um, yeah. And just letting them know if at any time, if you're too hot, if you're too cold, if you're whatever you are, just let me know, you know, and doing that for every single client. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also good, you know, like Casey was saying, it's like, you kind of want to check in along the way. Is your temperature okay? Because some people, they're going to feel uncomfortable saying like, hey, I'm hot right now, you know, so you want to be checking in with them. So, oh, you know, how how does the bed warmer feel? Oh, you know, it it's actually a little, it's a little high now that you mention it. Okay, no worry. You know, I can take care of that for you. I think, again, it's just kind of like paying attention. If you see them fidgeting around or throwing off the blanket, just ask them, you know um reading reading the body language is like so important I mean so mm-hmm. many times I can read people and go oh they're a little bit uncomfortable so I'm gonna like you know give them a little extra care or there's like my client like I said who's been with me and Haley for years and she throws off her clothes and gets in the bed so <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't need me to walk her through all of that um so really, right. again paying attention to the individual is so important I think self-awareness is such a necessary part of SD life because it really is like paying attention to those cues. Like there, sometimes there's not hard rules. It's just thinking about people, thinking about their comfort first, little things like asking if they need to use the bathroom so they don't have to go in the middle of the service, asking if they're comfortable on the table so they're not sitting there in pain the whole time, um, and just reading their body language. Like there might be clients you're chatting with the whole time because they lead the conversation, and there might be clients who just want to close their eyes and relax, and you don't need to keep the combo going because they want to relax. So just paying attention to those things, I think is such, such a good point. So important. I mean, when I first start seeing a client, I always tell them, Hey, if you want me to explain everything, I'm happy to, if you have any questions along the way, please ask. If not, like I'm you're welcome to relax as well. Like just giving them all of the opportunity to talk or not to talk. I do think I've met many estheticians that, do like to maybe overshare a little too much with their clients <laughs> when it's really mm-hmm. not, that's your client's time. That's not your time. I mean, yes, it's a great skill that a lot of us estheticians are people persons. Is that, a, is that how I would say it? People, people? Yeah. People, people. People, people. <laughs> <laughs> we like people. We like to talk, most of us. You know, that's why we are estheticians. That's why we're good at our jobs. But making sure that you're letting the client lead the way um, I think is important. Okay. What about Estes listening who feel like they haven't developed their people skills? Because I think there are a lot of us out there who are more shy and have those experiences hosting 
do you have any tips for confidence and just in general, like maybe an SD is worrying, like, how do I even like hold a, a good conversation? How do I develop rapport? How do I make those relationships strong if I've never done that before? And it's all kind of foreign to me talking to a stranger in a treatment room for the first time? That's a great question. Yeah. I mean, I think what Casey was saying earlier, you know, even like when you're meeting someone at a party for a first time, you know, start by just introducing yourself, you know, ask them for the most part, if someone is in your treatment room and you're working on them and they want to talk, they will make it apparent because when you ask yeah. them questions, they will answer them thoroughly and yeah. they will engage with you. Um, so, you know, assuming that's the type of client that you're working on and, and they do want to be engaged and they do want to have a little chat, just, you know, just ask them about themselves. You know, how are you? What is your dog up to? You know, what did you eat for breakfast? Like there's <laughs> things you can talk about that people can easily share. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's a skill that you're only going to get good. You know, the, you have to practice. You have to practice, but anyone listening, you've had to have made at least one or two friends in your life. I believe that everyone has made friends in their life. And if you can look at your clients, of course, they're cl your client and there's boundaries, but if you can look at them as like a potential new friend, right? First, you know, we want to get to know their skin because that's why they're there. Or we want to get to know, you know, their eyelashes, if we're doing their eyelashes. But after that is where you're kind of reading between the lines. Do they want to relax? You know, but like Haley's saying, asking simple questions. Where are you from? What do you do? Do you live around here? You know, just those simple things to maybe kind of get the conversation flowing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, the only way you're going to get good is practice getting outside of yourself, thinking about them instead of maybe thinking about how nervous you are. I feel like Casey, yes. you're such a pro. That question is probably like, like, I don't even know because I, I do, you're just not socially awkward. I, no, but not. here's, oh, thank you. I mean, sometimes I feel it inside. And the funny thing is I was shy. I mean, Haley, Haley again can vouch yeah. for me. Like when we were kids, I couldn't even pick up the phone to order a pizza. I'd make Haley do it. <laughs> so, you know, I don't think my like natural being is actually super outgoing as shocking as that might sound. It it's something shocking. I've had to push myself out of my comfort zone. Even now, I mean, I still get, I will still get nervous, you know, maybe at a speaking engagement or talking to somebody new. Um, it's just something I think like Tess, you were saying is like, it's getting out of yourself because mm -hmm. no one's hyper-focusing mm -hmm. on you as much as you're hyper-focusing on you. So if you can put yourself and put the focus on your client or the other person, you're going to forget about how nervous you are. Mm. Most okay, this is kind of a 180, but <laughs> but just related to what you're saying, I feel like a lot of SDs are also really overthinking their business and social media because of mm. Instagram and because of the mm -hmm. comparisons. And sometimes when I mentor SDs, they're saying like, I just don't even feel like you know, what I have to post is good enough. I can't even think of an idea because I'm so overwhelmed and I'm so mm. stressed about social media. I think there's a lot yeah. of stress and pressure on 
Instagram. And since you guys are such social media pros, I wanted to make sure I I brought this into the episode somehow. What yeah. are your guys' thoughts about Instagram, the industry, and if you had any tips to pass on to somebody who's starting their page right now, mm-hmm. what would those be? I mean, it's, I always say this, I always say this, and I believe this is like, don't overthink it. I think so many people, when it comes to social media, they overthink it so much that they, they never post anything that they freeze, that they, they're never sharing content because it's not perfect. It's never going to be perfect. If I overthought every piece of content that I shared, I wouldn't have social media. Um, I just think if you are drawn to social media, if that's something that you want to do, if that's something, if you want to put yourself out there, if you want to put your business out there, if you want to share with the world, just start sharing. Um, And I would say stop comparing because we all have something amazing and unique to share. You know, if I hadn't started sharing all those years ago on social media, I wouldn't be where I was today. And it I didn't think about anybody else. I was just sharing my own personal journey because that's what people want to see. I mean, like I follow Tess because I want to see what Tess is eating and I want to see what she's talking about. You know, it's like, I, it's, we want to see a little sneak peek into your business, into your life. Um, and I think instead of saying, well, I'm not like Casey, I'm not like Tess, instead of thinking, you know, you, you are important. You are unique. And I think the more that you think that of yourself, um, the easier it will be to share on social media. On the other hand, if you are not, if social media is not a calling to you, if it's something that you really hate doing, you don't have to do it. I think there's so many other ways and avenues that you can advertise your business. Going back to, you know, we're talking about word of mouth, word of mouth still after 15 years of me being in this industry is still one of the best ways that I've made like the best clients and the best like connections. Um, so don't dismiss that. It's super important. Um, so, and the only way, just like anything, you have to start just sharing on social media. Yeah. It's not going to be perfect. Yeah. You have to start somewhere. And the only way you're going to learn is if you start sharing. Yeah, no, so well said, Casey. And I think I think we all need to hear that. It's so easy to get in your head, but everybody does have value. So think yes. about what, just who you are and, and what you like. Because I used to think like, you know, sharing my meals and, and all that stuff was weird, like workouts and health, like <laughs> Estes, that's, that's honestly a little bit newer that Estes have started to embrace that. Like yeah. it used to be kind of random. Like, why are you posting your dinners? But it's just authentic <laughs> to me and something else might be authentic to you. And I think it's cool to see people being multidimensional and it, it's what makes you, you and memorable. Exactly. Like you might be the SD who loves yoga or the SD who had a business background or who was an interior designer. All of these things are interesting and, and make you special. Haley, what about you? Any thoughts about Instagram and the social media side of things? Is that something yeah. you're involved with in the business? 
you know what, honestly, my involvement ends at the graphics. So, you know, I love, I do, I like marketing. I like beautiful imagery. I like all of that kind of stuff. I like using my creativity to make things for, you know, our audience, but you know, I'm not a social media presence. I have a personal Instagram account that is very small. I post almost never. It's mostly just resharing, you know, what I'm doing in the business. And, you know, I'll share a little bit of personal stuff every once in a while. But, you know, Casey really, she's the one who spearheads the entire Instagram. She does a stellar job. And I'm just there to, you know, make content. She'll tell me what she needs. I made the graphic. And that's kind of like our perfect little you know, relationship with the the Instagram account. And it is such a powerful tool. But I mean, I'm definitely the person that, you know, it's, it's not my, my number one thing. It's not my priority. And I, I love it for what it is. But yeah, I mean, if I, if I post a picture of myself, it's like a big day. So it's true. You know, it's a very, very, big very you see a picture of Haley. Yeah, very few and far between. It's because I really wanted to. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's just how I feel about it. And I'm sure there's people, you know, like Casey was saying that social media, you don't feel called to do it. So put your energy where it best suits you and it best suits your clients. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I think sometimes we think like social media is the representation of the business, but it, it's a helpful tool. It's not necessarily a measure mm. of, of the business or, you know, of your worth. So I think it's really cool. You guys each know your strengths and you're able to, to come together. And I, I just think that's such a unique and special thing. I could not, I've actually tried working with family and it it (laughs) didn't work out. And I'd say for a lot of people, it wouldn't work out, but it's in a, it's a testament to your guys's relationship and, um, just being understanding of each other and your strengths. Yeah. I thank you so much. That's so sweet of you to say. And yeah, I mean, with social media, it. I love that you're saying, Tess, that it's it's not a true representation of business. Because, and I think a lot of people think that it is. I think a lot of people think that. I've seen estheticians that assume that having an Instagram means that they have a business, and that's not true. And I think there's other people that assume that just because you have a hundred thousand followers means that you have made it and you're raking in the dough those numbers, they just don't equal up like a lot of people think that they do. Mm-hmm. I think, I know there are so many people, there are so many estheticians that either have little to no following and are doing incredible and making tons of money and they're killing the game. And then there's also estheticians that have thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of followers. And people assume just because of those numbers that they are successful, but you know, behind closed doors, it's definitely a different story. So I think for, I hope that people can start to understand with social media that measuring followers and success do not equal up, you know, mm-hmm. and success really is the eye of the beholder, you know? So your version of success might look a lot different than mine. 
my mm. version of success at this point of my life is that, you know, I was able to buy a house and I'm able to work from home a couple days a week. And, you know, I can, I have a lot of flexibility, but to someone else, it might look a lot different. Yeah. And I, I feel for the SDs kind of growing up in this industry with social media because they need yeah. people to look to. So they go to social media and then they see like people like you or people with huge followings. And they think if they're, if they don't have that, they're not mm. doing it right. So when I have yeah. friends come to me saying like, I'm so stressed about Instagram tests, like why aren't mm. my posts performing? Why don't I have more followers? I just like to ask people like, well, what, what, what's the reason you want that? And, and what, mm -hmm. it, what do you think that's really going to do for your life? Because I think once I came to kind of came to terms and I'm just at peace with the fact, like, you know, my follower, follower count is what it is. When I get to 10,000, things aren't going to be that different in my day to day. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to, yeah, you know, same. I have clients now I'm going to have clients then and it's not yeah. going to be yeah. some glamorous like transformation of my life so I think I just <laughs> want to kind of share that so if anybody's feeling like they're not enough because their Instagram account isn't what Casey's is um you can kind of just think like is that actually going to change your life and is it the number one priority for the business right. it probably mm -hmm. shouldn't be like I think we think of it no. as the number one thing and it's not and it's it's not it's not and especially I do have to say because I've been in the Instagram game for a few years now it's not what it used to be you guys it is not mm -hmm. what it used to be okay the numbers aren't the same so do not kill yourself yeah. I'm telling yeah. you like I used to get way bigger numbers when I had a way smaller following. Like people are on TikTok now. They're on different channels. Like Instagram is definitely changing. I don't want to say it's dying because it's not dying yet, but <laughs> do not kill yourself if you are not getting crazy engagement. I have been doing this day in and day out for, I don't know, four or five years now. And I don't do it. I do it because I like it. Okay. Mm -hmm. I do it because I want to share. I was sharing personally on my social media, even before I really started to grow my, grow my glow skincare account. And I do it because I kind of just like to share with the world, but if you don't like doing it, then don't, then don't. Yeah. No, no. one's pressuring you, but you. No. Yeah, it's true. Right. No, there's like this invisible pressure of like, I didn't post this week. Like I should feel guilty. Like I'm a failure, mm. but no, 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 you're not. And I think that's really reassuring Casey to hear like the growth just isn't what it used to be. People aren't getting not. to 50,000, like, you know, in a year today, it's just unless no. you're literally that viral person, which I hate to say, it's not going to be most of us. And the slow growth is okay, but enjoying it too, like use it for what it is. Have yes. some fun. The slow grow is really where it's at. And I have to say, viral does not equal dollar in your bank account. Okay. It mm -mm. doesn't. No. no, I can guarantee you that if you want to make a whole bunch of viral videos because you're having fun doing it, great. But does that mean money in your bank account? It doesn't always equal that. It just doesn't. 
great words of advice and reassurance <laughs> from both of you. Thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing all that you did. You guys are absolute gems and just have so much value to share. So thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. And I'm sure everyone really appreciates all you guys had to say. So thank you. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, thank you. This was so yeah. fun. And I'm just, I feel so privileged to get, get to be on here and to chat with you. Oh, I I am the lucky one. So thank you guys for saying yes to this. I'm sure we'll do it again. And thank you all for listening. So Casey and Haley, thanks for coming on. And we will talk to you in the next episode. Bye.